Now, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning and welcome to the Monday edition of the program. I'm Bobby Curran along with Tanner Hayworth. Between us, we'll try and bring you the complete world of sports, pros, colleges, high schools, other sporting events taking place here with guests and giveaways and, of course, your phone calls. 296-808-296-1420 is the number. I thought we'd start off today talking a little professional football. We're going to get to college because we will have Rich Miano at the bottom of the hour, and he spent a lot of time uh, this weekend with Hawaii on a bye week watching college football, as did I, so I thought that would be uh, an interesting conversation. There were some more upsets, seems like there always are. A couple of teams climbing, others sort of losing their place in line. But I think when you get down to where I'm at right now, which is taking a look at the NFL, I, I think, to me, this is like almost a certainty now. I think the best team in the NFL today is the San Francisco 49ers. They demolished the Cowboys. It was 42 to 10? I mean, come on. That is a butt-whipping. And even though this is hard to say because he's a second, essentially a second-year quarterback, I think Brock Purdy is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. I mean, just take a look at the numbers. Take a look at the big games they're in. And I think you can pretty much say that that's a, that's a win for Purdy. That's my way of looking at it. You may see it differently. But I don't think, and I'm going to go a step further, I'm not sure the Cowboys are going to be great until they have a different quarterback. I mean, it's not that he's a bad quarterback. I just don't think he can get you to the promised land. And I think that's increasingly evident. You, you can't convince me that there's not some of those same conversations taking place in the Dallas Cowboys offices. I, they got to be having their doubts by now. I mean, it seems like every time it's, there's a huge third down or it's a, a pressing matter, you got to get points up. Even if it's a field goal, how often does Dak Prescott fail to get that? I just think you got to be, you got to be honest about it if you're a Cowboy fan. That's that's started to become. I mean, it's not just starting; it's continuing to be a problem for them, in my view. I just don't see that that's going to to work out well for them in the long run. I don't see them getting back to a Super Bowl while he's playing. Just my thought. You might have another one. I, I don't think they'd do – this is going to shock people. I don't think they'd do a whole lot worse if Cooper Rush was the starter. I, I'm just saying. I think that guy's really good. I mean, he's about as good a, a backup quarterback as you're going to find in the league. And I just think that they wouldn't be – they wouldn't miss much. You could go ahead if you have a thought on that. I'd love to hear from you. 808-296-1420 is that number. Well – I wasn't surprised. In fact, I would almost say that the New York Giants did themselves proud by playing fairly closely against the, uh, the uh, Miami Dolphins. Now, I was really battling myself because the Giants, I think, are pretty much out of it this year. I mean, they can't overcome that level of injury. I mean, they, they, you don't have Thomas at the, at the tackle. You don't have Barkley at the running back. You have other guys that have been in and out, the, the center, the, the, the kid from Minnesota who they really are high on. He's out. I mean, 
you cannot have three backups on the offensive or in the offensive system and expect to be as good as you were. I just think that's we don't know how good the Giants could have been if they had a functioning offensive line. And if they I mean that how crazy is it how many times that uh, D- Daniel Jones has been sacked in the last couple of weeks. It was 11 against Seattle. What did he get? They get him nine times yesterday? Something like that. Or seven? Something ridiculous. But I'm saying, who's going to win like that? And then they can, but Brian Dable can blame, he can try to blame Daniel Jones all he wants for that. I don't think he's holding it especially long. I, I don't think that, with that bromide, I think in this case, is not true. So in any ways, they're not going to be very good. They'd they made some great plays. They got their first turnover, first takeaway of the season yesterday. And it was a deflected pick six. Very cool. And uh, so the Giants stayed in that game. And I'll give them credit, all the credit they're due for that. And I just think, but I think it's, it's not enough for them. And I thought Tua was, again, more than adequate. I think he's got himself firmly in the MVP race. I mean, he's just still one of the best. Uh, quarterbacks in the league. By the way, it doesn't hurt that they have the most speed plays. And it's different guys. It's a Shane, it's a Chain, it's a, a Tyreek Hill, it's, it's a Waddle. They've got three of the fastest plays. The three fastest players this year on a play in the NFL are all Miami Dolphins. How is that? That's crazy. But I think it's going to, it will tell over time. And I think as long as Tua can do what he's doing, which is don't go. Don't get greedy. You're going to go deep a number of times because you have the talent for it. But you're also going to pick up the short first downs and move the chains. And if he continues to do that, I, I don't know how they're going to be. How someone's going to beat them, especially when it gets a little bit later in the season and those first downs become a, at a premium. I just think they have their cut out for it. Go ahead if you have something. And uh, 808. 296-1420. I want to get to a, a team that's as bad as I have ever seen. I have never seen in consecutive years the New England Patriots be this bad. And I've never seen them start a season like this. Do you know they've been outscored, set, what is it, 72-3 to three in the last couple of games? That's craziness. How do they, that, what has happened? And I heard some, uh, an interesting question posed this morning on, uh, on Mike, uh, by Mike Greenberg, and is, is, is it, here it is. Will Bill Belichick come back from this, and will it be his choice? I think Robert Kraft would way prefer Bill Belichick to just come in and say, you know, I think I've had it, and I think I've done what I can do. I think it's time that you guys need to make a change for the good of the organization. And that would make it much easier on Robert Kraft, because how do you go after you went along with coach Belichick on not paying Tom Brady and letting him go, after you did that, you want to have to do, you don't want to have to fire Bill Belichick because that's a scream that I was wrong. I don't think he's doing that. So I think he's, so Belichick, Belichick decides, oh, I have to have another year, but he's got to ask himself this, is another year going to help? I don't know. After you lose 38-3 to the Cowboys, and yesterday, 34 nothing to the Saints. The writing's on the wall, as far as I can tell. I, I think that's a real problem for him. We're going to, uh, we're going to get to a couple of things. And I, I'm, every once in a while in sports, you get a, hey, payback is mine. And I think that was the case for Nate Hackett 
yesterday after the Jets uh, beat down on the Broncos. That was 31 to 21. This after Sean Payton had made those famous remarks that that, that was one of the worst jobs coaching an NFL team I've ever seen. Well, if it was that bad, would you, wouldn't you think you'd be able to beat them? Because they're not going with the same quarterback they had last year. It's not like it's Aaron Rodgers' time. I don't know. I, I just don't know how uh, Peyton can not feel a little crimson in the cheeks over that one. I'm just feeling like that's not, first of all, you're not looking good to do that. Anyway, I want to get to a couple of things that had happened. A couple of guys got hurt yesterday, but they came back in. And one of the uh, the big ones, I think, was was it uh, Travis Kelsey yesterday who got hurt and then came back and scored a touchdown pass? Looked like he had jammed up an ankle. Uh, I guess they taped him up, and he came back in and played. I'll tell you who had a sweet game yesterday was George Kittle. I think those are, the, in my opinion, people are saying Darren Waller for the Giants. I, he just not, he's not in the action all the time. I just think Travis Kelsey and George Kittle are the best two tight ends in football. That's my take on it. Every time I turn on either one of those guys, they're doing something spectacular. Okay, yesterday, the uh, and I, I don't know what it is with the Jacksonville Jaguars in London. They seem to win every time they play there. And the Buffalo Bills fell to the Jaguars yesterday, 25-20. to 20. In the process, they lost their big playmaking linebacker, Matt Milano. He left early with an injury that's described as not looking good. It's not what you want to hear. Um, they also have lost starting cornerback last week, uh, Tredavious White, who was a star uh, in, in this, uh, in his early going, but he is out, and now they're saying da- Daquan Jones, that might be a, uh, that's an Achilles deal. So that's a that's probably a season ender. I, I just think that it looked good for a while for Buffalo, but I'm thinking now maybe not so much. Let's face it, how many injuries you suffer and how serious they are has a lot to do with how long you last in this league. I mean, if you're going to be a team, you could have playoff hopes, get the wrong guys knocked out, and you could be in big trouble. People say, well, it's you know, 11 guys aside. Can, could, could one or two guys make that much of a difference? Yeah, depending on who they are, they can. I mean, if the two guys are, for example, Fred Warner, let's say it's Fred Warner and, oh, I don't know, Nick Bosa for San Francisco. If you don't think that would make a huge difference on that defense, you got another thought. I'm not saying they wouldn't still be good, but I'm just saying when you start to divide up, okay, who's going to be around at the end of this? Who's going to be around come, you know, mid-December? I, I think that's a, different, that's a different question altogether. But a couple of other guys got hurt too. I mean, um, I think that the injury to Justin Jefferson, he's forced out of the game against Kansas City in the fourth quarter. They're calling it a right hamstring injury. The problem with the hamstring injuries is they can be a week or they can be two months. You just don't really know what you got till it's uh, you know a couple of maybe a week in before you have an idea what that's going to be like. But they can ill afford. The Vikings are horrible anyway. Now they're going to lose. Justin Jefferson for a period of time, that would be difficult. I'll tell you who had looked really injured to me in the early going. I really thought that it was going to be tough uh, on the Cincinnati Bengals to come back. 
but Joe Burrow pulled like a, an amazing resuscitated man yesterday. He looked really good. And, uh, and so did the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm not sure I'm writing them off. I mean, granted, it was against Arizona. But don't forget, Arizona drilled the Cowboys. We're going to have to take a quick timeout. Let's do that, and we'll be back momentarily after this reminder. The next Craig Angelus show is tomorrow, October 10th at 6 p.m. at Velocity of Honolulu on Kapiolani Boulevard. Join Kanoa Leahy with UH Athletic Director Craig Angelus for the latest from behind the scenes in UH sports. There's food and drink available for purchase and valet parking at the MW Restaurant, brought to you by the JN Group. I heard an interesting stat yesterday. Desmond Ritter of the Falcons, who I would say is showing some some signs of being a legit starting quarterback in the league. I think it was kind of rough last year, and there was talk about maybe it was they were going to have to take a look at that and see if they were going to move on from him. But I think he's been good enough this year to keep his spot. Get this. This is an unwieldy, this crazy statistic. In college... And back to his days at Cincinnati, right through his two-year deal with Atlanta, he has never lost a home game. I, I don't, I, I can't make sense of that because his record. Well, college it was great because they were good teams at Cincinnati, but it, it's not the record's not been great for Atlanta. But it's just that he doesn't lose home games. That's the kind of tidbit I think gamblers like to get a hold of. Of course, if you take stock of that. And then wait till he's home next. He probably doesn't cover. I'm just saying that seems to be the way it works with gamblers. And uh, so I want to get, I think, rarely in sports. I'm going to get to Rich Mian with this since he played for one of these teams. But I, it had to be, how good did it have to feel yesterday to be Mr. Hackett? Nathaniel Hackett coached the Broncos last year, was fired. They were miserable, granted. But the comments made by Sean Payton after he took over, how it was the horror, one of the worst coaching jobs he's ever seen in the NFL. Uh, there's sort of a code that you just don't do that if you're a coach. You don't just throw another guy under the bus, even if you think it. And I can see him telling one of his coaching buddies privately, yeah, that wasn't good, okay. But to go public, as Sean Payton did last year, uh, the beginning of the year, it was just crazy. Why do you do that? Because then you have to go eat it at the end of a game when your defense that's supposed to be so good gives up 31 points to the Jets and you lose by 10. I'm just saying. Now, you know, I love what, uh, I love what like Robert Sully said. He goes, you know, it feels good to get a win in the league against anybody. That's Robert Sully. He goes, but, and he threw in this, but. But it was a special game for Hack. Obviously, being here a year ago, we racked up over 400 yards on them, put up 31 points. I, I just think he had to feel great. Even if he says didn't matter much to him, I don't believe it. Because I think that it probably did mean a bit to him. I mean, he's not a guy, Nathaniel Hackett is not the guy to now blow back and say, see you, you dopey SOB. He's not that guy. There are coaches in the league who might well have done that. He's not one of them. Uh, he'll just take the win and, and, and probably think to himself, this is why I don't do that kind of stuff. 
because you just look like a petulant child when you get drilled. What do you say? Okay, another team I want to talk about in the NFL that is really playing well and should have everybody's attention by now. I think in the sweet revenge category, it has to feel like that for Detroit Lions quarterback Jared Goff. He threw three touchdown passes in the first half. He ran for a score in the fourth quarter, 42-24 over Carolina, who remains winless. That is just... That, you know, remember at the trade, people who were saying, oh, Jared Goff, he goes over for Matt Stafford. But, you know, in, in a year or so, they'll just move on from Jared Goff and they'll start to look for a real NFL quarterback. Got news for you. Jared Goff hasn't gotten the memo. He's playing like a real NFL quarterback. Uh, go, if you want to get in touch with us and you have something interesting, 808-296-1420 is that number. I you know, I learned a long time ago when I was in high school playing basketball, it was a power, power hot school. I played with all their guys in the schoolyard and open gyms. I knew they were good, but I also thought, man, I can play against these guys. And I had two of my best high school games against them my senior year. And I, but I never, ever went out and went public or made any comments to anyone that could come back to me on, how we just sliced and diced them and blah, blah, blah. So adding to that, it was easy to do because we lost both games, although we, they were close. I got poked in the eye in the first game and was out for a quarter and came back in, saw two of everything and still scored a few more points. And then in the second game, it was real. that one was really good, and we, we played them to within like six points, and that was considered a huge upset. But... Yeah, you know, we knew the guys, and at least some of us did. Another guy who played well in that game was from their town. It was He went to the parish school for eight years at St. Agnes and then came to my school, which is called Marie Regina. I remember how satisfying that was, but what was most satisfying was not to have opened your mouth. I mean, that really felt even better. Uh, if you have something, I know anybody who's played sports has had experiences like that. You always feel, and if you if you were the wrong on the wrong side of it, if you blew your mouth off and then got you know, destroyed, well, hopefully you learn something. But for those who didn't need to be drilled to learn it, uh, congratulations, because it feels so much better. I don't think the feeling's any less, because the New York media will kill this uh, with, with uh, Nate Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett will get all kinds of kudos for this, because uh, the, everyone's looking for something to write. you got three big papers that are going to be covering that. So I just think it's, uh, that's pretty cool. I, I think that's pretty cool for Nathaniel Hackett. Somebody also pointed out, just last thing before we go to break, is that the Steelers, I, people say, get rid of Mike Tomlin. He's only won one Super Hang on a second. Mike Tomlin has won more games with less than just about anybody I can think of in the current coaching carousel in the NFL. I mean, it didn't look like Anything was going to go their, their way. And they come back, after being down at half, they come back to win 17-10. to 10. I, It just seems like it happens all the time. I mean, Mike Tomlin, I, I think it's still true. Tanner, you might know this, but I think it's still true that Mike Tomlin has not had a losing season in the NFL since he's been coaching. How many, how many guys can say that? I don't think too many. Not even the GOAT, not even Bill Belichick is going to be able to say that after this year. Uh, that's just how it works. 
almost everybody has down years. They somehow managed to craft together something really good. You got something for me to read for you, Tanner? I can't hear you. All right. Well, oh, there we go. Well, how about this? How about would you like to have a thousand cash in your pocket? That'll be the grand prize, and also add to that weekly $100 prizes in the ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. Visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. Back with Rich Miano after this on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back to the Monday edition of the Bobby Curran Show, along with Tanner Hayworth, and we are talking some football. We've been mostly on the NFL, but we're going to take a sudden switch. When I talked to Rich Miano the other day, he said, watched a lot of college football this weekend. Rich Miano joins us now, and uh, Rich, how are you? Yeah, Bobby, I actually watched the Kahuku game Friday night, lots of college football Saturday, Sunday ton of NFL, but I still got my stand-up paddling. I, I was surfing. I did a lot of recreation, played some golf, but um, yeah, it was a great weekend. You got all that in on Sunday? Wow. Got it all in. Well, it was up at uh, five, 5 o'clock. Well, it does take it does take a, an early bird to get that level of stuff in. Let me get, let's get to some of these college games. I thought there were some terrific ones. Caleb Williams for USC. I don't know how good USC is, they seem to be taking a step backwards as a team. They got taken to three overtimes against Arizona, but you couldn't fault Caleb Williams. Oh my God, the guy's a, a magic. He got six TDs, counts for six TDs. He scored the go-ahead two-point try to help defeat a very stubborn Wildcat team. I think he's probably going to win the Heisman again. Your thought? My thought is this, Bobby, and this is going to throw out some hyperbolic superlatives. I think he's a top five quarterback in the world. I, I think there's only, you could say, uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Tua's playing at a very high level, uh, and maybe a couple others that are better than him right now. I think he's best quarterback prospect in the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, maybe ever. Oh. Uh, you know, Andrew Luck type of athleticism, uh, intelligence in terms of football intelligence. He is not only should win the Heisman Trophy, and if he doesn't, it's a Michael Penix Jr. or it's somebody that's putting up incredible numbers. He is worth tanking for. If you're an NFL franchise, every time that Houston or Arizona wins a football game, I'm thinking, what are they thinking? This guy, and I know he can go back to college, and I know there's the NIL money, and he's probably making four, six, eight million dollars a year. From an athletic standpoint, I don't think I've ever seen a better quarterback coming out of college. Uh, you know what? I think he is. I think he will come out. And because I think that it's got to be a little disappointing to him that the team isn't better. Because you certainly couldn't put it on him. He does everything you could possibly ask out of a quarterback. But let me just give some props. Because somebody else closer to home played an unbelievable game. Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma, who started his career at Central Florida, I mean, was absolutely unbelievable winning the Red River rivalry game yesterday or Saturday. Yeah, Bobby, and, you know, he is. He's now appearing in a lot of top ten lists. He's appearing in, you know, these Heisman Trophy lists. He is incredibly athletic. He's smart. He has a quick release. He is a, a extremely good football player. 
it'll be interesting what these NFL scouts have on him in terms of height, um, which, you know, is being, you look at Talia Tungvaloa, you look at Tua Tungvaloa, you look at Drew Brees, you look at Kyler Murray, you look at some of these other quarterbacks in football, it's no longer necessary to be 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". I think it's necessary to process, to get rid of the ball quickly, to be very accurate. And I think he does all, he checks all of those boxes. So very impressed by that young man, impressed by Oklahoma. But, you know, going back to your last question, Bobby, it's the same old story with USC not playing good defense. It's the same old story. I think Oklahoma's not great on defense. So they get into these shootouts, and you have to have these style of quarterbacks and these style of offenses. So, you know, I'm not sure either one of those guys are going to win the championship necessarily, but at the same time, very good football players, and I'm very impressed with Dylan Gabriel. I, I think Dylan, and I'm, I may have been mistaken, but I seem to recall he's about six one. Is that right? Yeah, I would think that's right. You know, and, and I, I remember being around him, and obviously, you know, his dad and everything else. And I would say he's a six one guy, which is not going to be, a, you know, a huge um, knock on him. But at the same time, you know, you you still would want a quarterback to be a little taller if possible. But he moves well enough. He throws it well enough. He's accurate. He makes good decisions. Um, he processes quickly. You can tell his football knowledge just goes back to Mililani and Rod York and Millville and all of those days of playing pylon football. So he's, he has spun the ball as much as anybody in the country. No, and I, I actually think he's faster than I realized. That's um, He runs it yeah, pretty he's well. He's a better athlete, too. Yeah, no, no He's clue. a better athlete. He's a good athlete. He, he can pick up, extend plays. And, Bobby, that's where I'm going in, in, in football nowadays. If you cannot extend plays, if you cannot process plays prior to the snap – if you cannot make you know extensions, make runs, make critical first downs, if you cannot be plus one in the run game in terms of being a quarterback power, quarterback Tampa, whatever you want to call these quarterback runs, I'm not sure you can play anymore because defenses are getting so athletic. They're doing so many things in, in the pass rushing, as pass rushing specialists go to speak, that you have to be an athletic quarterback. And Dylan Gabriel is. Talia Tungavaloa is. Um, there's a lot of quarterbacks. You know, you look at a Jaden Delora, he's, he's, he's a good quarterback as well. It's, it's almost uncanny that per capita, how many great quarterbacks are from the state of Hawaii. It really is. I mean, you know, for years it was Penn State was linebacker you. Everybody's got their, you know, their sort of thing. But I think the number of quarterbacks coming out of the state of Hawaii, and they're going to all different schools, is incredibly impressive. Yeah, and, and even going back to the Friday night Kahuku game, John Kiave Sagapolutelli, he's six foot three. He's got a bunch of offers. He's the best quarterback of next year's classes. You know, the kid from Punahou, Ty McCutcheon, is a good player this year. But it is, and it goes back to, you know, Nalu Tungavailoa. It goes back to Vince Passes. It goes back to Kili Tilton. It goes back to all these quarterback gurus that have been out there for so many years. The run and shoot with Ron and Cal Lee. But, yeah, these young quarterbacks from the state of Hawaii, they're athletic, they're tough, they process quickly, they extend plays, and it's exciting. I think Talia Tungabailoa has broken a lot of records at Maryland, career records, yearly records. You know, they were 5-0 and going to the game against Ohio State, obviously overmatched. But, you know, he's another one I think would be at least a mid-to-late rounder, or if for sure a free agent in somebody's camp. Oh, I'll be shocked if he's not drafted. I'm not saying it's going to be early, but I think he's shown enough 
that someone's going to say, the guy's got the kind of poise that even if he's a backup uh, for five years and never starts, he's, he's going to be worth having on our team. No question. And, and when Mackenzie Milton had that catastrophic injury, he was another guy. I thought even though he was slight of size, he's an NFL guy. He's going to be in some organization as a backup or, uh, you know, possibly compete for a starting job. But it, it is impressive. And I think that's why this game of football to me is quarterback driven. If you don't have a quarterback that can make plays, that can do all of the above, it's not as exciting because there's so much emphasis that is put on a quarterback. You know, I, I enjoy watching quarterback, good quarterback play more than anything else. Well, let me get to this because we, we're seeing guys that are, you know, supposed to big contract guys. I'll give you an example. If someone asked me, and I don't know if you caught the, uh, the, the Sunday night game with San Francisco and Dallas yesterday, but I, my opinion is that Brock Purdy is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott, and I think I, I've seen them both enough to be able to say that with some conviction. 100%, Bobby, and you know what? I'm, I'm surprised that nobody's making this comparison to uh, Tua Tungvaloa and Brock Purdy because they have similar offenses, right? Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel. When you look at how they stretch the field horizontally and vertically with layered routes in terms of what they do in the passing game, then when you look how they overload the running game. But it is, Bobby, it, this is a matter of that quarterback going to the line of scrimmage, processing all of these things that could possibly happen, and that's why you see motion shifting because they want to see is it man coverage is it zone coverage are they coming on a zone dog are they they man blitzing they want to be able to set the protection they want to be able to get the proper read they want to get the football out of their hands when you look at how quickly they get the ball out of their hands it's Tua and it's Brock Purdy you look at their height you look at their athleticism their ability they don't have strong arms they don't have cannons and it's it's unbelievable how these two guys have the highest quarterback percentage these two guys are leading the most explosive offenses in football. And it's, again, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel. But it's those two quarterbacks that are better because of how many times and how many different offenses and how many different schemes and how many starts they've had and how calm they are at the line of scrimmage and who they surround themselves with and give credit to the organizations. But those are my two favorite teams. And as my son would say, Dad, you're a front runner. I yeah. guess I am. I'm a front runner of watching quality football and guys that are on cutting edges and doing things different. One, I heard a stat during the broadcast last night that the only team that uses more motion than San Francisco is Miami. So That's I exactly think that right, they're, they're being put in positions, I think, to help themselves on top of all their inherent abilities. Yeah, Bobby, and I don't, they, have, they don't have a stat of motion going away from the formation, but that seems to be a really new thing that's almost like in style now, in vogue. And what that do, does is it gives these guys a running start. When, when you saw the New England Patriots uh, two weeks ago block an extra point or a field, excuse me, field goal, they actually ran in almost from the sidelines and timed it up perfectly. Well, anyone will tell you a flying 40 is faster than a standing 40. When you see Tyreek, Hill going away from the formation, but he's running full speed, and then he turns it up. Are you kidding me? He's almost at 18, 19, 20 miles an hour before the ball snaps. It's almost like Canadian League football. They're taking advantage of the rules in terms of motion. And then the shifting, all that does is it may be window dressing to some, but it confuses defense, and it, and it makes you like now show your cards in terms of when they're shifting, when they're motion. Who's going with that person? Is it zone coverage where they're just bumping over, or is it man coverage when, when full people are moving with the people that are shifting in motion? So to me, these guys, you know, and Tua said, you don't think 
football players are smart. Try to repeat this call. I don't know if you saw that meme, but these calls that are in the huddle, the amount of plays that are on their wristbands, the knowledge that's going into just the verbal call of the, you know telling people what to do in these offenses is if you're not extremely bright in the Wonderlick test, you better be a smart football player. No, no kidding. Do you have time to hang for a second? We're talking with Rich Miano for Spectrum. i got to take a break, but I want to get into UH a little bit and would get your priority items on things that need to be fixed. Can you, can you yeah, hang? We'll do it, Right back with Rich Miano after this on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Bobby Curran Show. Our guest is Rich Miano from Spectrum. And we have talked a little bit of NFL and quite a bit of college football. But, Rich, I think there's nothing more interesting to most people that live here than the fate of the Rainbow Warriors. And, frankly, it's been a struggle thus far. They're two and four, I believe. And uh, that's, that's somewhat disappointing, but not shocking considering it's uh, year two. Uh, for of the Timmy Chang era, you're th- I, this is what I find interesting. If you're coaching there, priorities on things that you can fix that would make you better in the next few weeks. What would be top? Well, you know, and again, pe- people need to have patience with this rebuild. As you know, it's well documented how many players they lost to the transfer portal and how they're building this program with little money, lack of facilities, and uh, you know, I like Coach Chang and his staff, but um, yeah, you would start with, you know, in terms of offensively, they've got to run the football. Um, in order, if they run the football, they'll slow down the pass rush because protection has been the biggest issue. When I, and I, when I talk about protection, I don't just talk about the offensive line like most people. I talk about running backs and protection. I talk about quarterbacks getting rid of the ball quicker, and I talk about coaches having plays where the quarterback does get rid of the ball quicker. So there's a plethora of things that are happening protection-wise. They're 124th in the country with 25 sacks against them. And then, you know, you look at defensively, whether it's run fits, run uh, gap integrity, um, you know, gap cancellation, tackling, you know, just fundamentals of tackling. Uh, They haven't tackled well all season long. They're not taking it away on defense. Bobby, they have zero interceptions in six games. They have three uh, turnover takeaways, uh, which are fumble recoveries. So if you don't take the ball away in defense, you don't tackle well, you don't protect on offense, you know, these type of things. Penalty-wise, they're 124th in the nation, and that goes to coaching. And that, you know, the discipline of this football team is a reflection of coaching. So there's, you know, a whole bunch of things that this bye week, they were banged up. They've lost some players. They've got to get healthy. But uh, it starts with fundamentals, and uh, hopefully they've worked on their fundamentals because this winnable games in the next seven – and they also could lose a bunch of games if they don't play well. So it's an interesting, you know, Mountain West Conference schedule coming up. And it starts with San Diego State, who's 2-4, and four, who's not playing well offensively, which they haven't played well offensively in the past, but they're not playing as well as they have defensively as well. So this is a winnable game if you play well. You know, it's, what's funny to me, and I, I, you've made the observation yourself before, even when we were working together, for as good a talent pool as San Diego State recruits from, they seem to have a devil of a time getting a really good quarterback in there. You know, Bobby, my son had worked for that organization for the last four years prior to working for the San Diego Legion. And I said the same thing, you know. I said, and I like these people because I know them personally. I like uh, I like Brady Hoke and I like Rocky Long. But I go, if you're an offensive purist, you'd fire the head football coach. 
But you, you would never fire a guy that wins 10 and 9 games almost on a continual basis. They are probably, to me, the second-best team in the last 10 years in the Mountain, Con- Confer- Mountain West Conference to Boise State. But they don't play offense. They, they, they're like Dick Tomey guys. They you know, reserve the right to punt. They play good on special teams. They play good defense. They win football games. But you're right. There hasn't been a quarterback in Southern California that far south in 15 to 20 years that's on an NFL roster. It's almost embarrassing that they can't find a great quarterback, have a great offense, and still win 10, 11, 12. But they do it differently. It's boring to watch, but they do it. Yeah, no, they've done it, that's for sure. But I, I hear there's uh, a lot of talk around the league that maybe it's time for Brady to go. I would imagine after this 2-4 and four start, Bobby, and again, anemic offense is not fun to watch. The attendance is dwindling. They have that beautiful snap dragon stadium in San Diego, which is a blueprint for what the University of Hawaii should do. Uh, but, you know, again, that will be a decade or so. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I think we're in the age. We're in – people want to see scoring. They want to see the ball thrown. They want to see offensive attacks. And they don't want to see three yards in a cloud of dust. And I'm sorry, these guys are great football coaches. But we're in a, we're in a Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel. We're in an offensive age of football. And that's what the viewer wants. And if you don't you know, comply, good luck. No, because sooner or later the fan, the attendance will drop off, and then you're you won't be making as much money for the program, and all those things start to pile up on each other. Let me let me get to this because I was a little surprised that Boise State was a pretty small favorite over San Jose State. They do beat them by eight points. Boise does 35-27, which was interesting. But I think San Jose State thought they'd be better than they've been this year. What do you think? San Jose State with Shevin Cadero, who threw for 325 yards in that game. And uh, they've led the last three games at halftime against Air Force, against Boise State, and against I'm losing the third team. But anyway, to make a long story short, they haven't scored a point in the second half. I, I do feel bad for Shevin Cadero because when he decided to transfer, he decided to go to Brent Brennan and you know le- continue to learn offensive football and, and, and be prolific. And, uh, yeah, he's hasn't played as well. The offense hasn't played as well. They haven't won the games. They just opened up a $70 million performance center. And again, I'm a big fan of Brent Brennan, what he's done at San Jose State. But at the same time, they're not playing well. And it's and it struggles. It, it, it really hurts to watch Shevin Cordero because I do know he is one of the most talented guys. He's in the same breath that we were almost were talking about with Dylan Gabriel, with Talia Tungavailoa, with the proper offense and the, and the proper weapons I think that guy is capable of getting into an NFL uh, camp. And uh, if I were him, I would think about, and I hate to say this because I'm not into transfer portals, I'm not into guys not being loyal to their coaches, but at the same time, you have to get into a program where it's going to showcase your skills, especially when you're thinking of being a next-level player. And right now at San Jose State, they've been terrible from a protection standpoint. They don't run the football well, and they just don't, they're not playing up to their potential. Couple of teams that are pretty good in this Mountain West: Wyoming, who might be a surprise to some people, because they had to do a bit of a rebuild. They're five and one, two and zero oh in the conference, and then Fresno State, who is was number twenty-four. I don't know if they're still ranked. I haven't checked, but uh, they were ranked, and and that's uh, that's really an interesting deal. Those two teams have been better than expected. 
Yeah, I think Fresno State has fallen out of the rankings, losing to Wyoming up in Wyoming. Uh, but I do think Wyoming, you watched them beat Texas Tech earlier in the year. They battled Texas into the fourth quarter. They're a scrappy team, and Hawaii has to play them, I think it's November 18th, which you know is going to be cold. Oh, you know man. it's going to be windy. You know it's at elevation. You know how tough that, that game is going to be. So, yeah, that's uh, Bobby, they're playing well. Fresno's playing well. Air Force is playing better than anybody, and you know how hard that triple option is to stop. So, yeah, those are the teams in the Mountain West Conference, and it was a team, you know, it was a league coming into the season where nobody really knew who the clear-cut favorite was but now they're starting to emerge, and it's Air Force, it's Wyoming, it's Fresno State. And, uh, yeah, Hawaii's just got to play better football because there is no juggernaut. There's no team that's unbeatable. But, again, I tell people this all the time. There's nobody going 13-0, and and there's nobody going 0-13. You're going to win some games because you play better than the opponent. And Hawaii needs to play better than the opponent, possess the ball on offense, take it away on defense, and fundamentally just get better. And hopefully that's what this bye week was about. Well, you can only hope because I think sooner or later there'll be a price to be paid around this conference for any team that's underperforming. I mean, if you're underperforming, this is not the, the age to do that because everybody is so conscious of driving revenues and putting on an entertaining product as well as winning. I just think it's the way it is in college football these days. We live in a capitalistic country. We live in a hyper. We, we, we compete in a high-performance business, Bobby, and you're exactly right. You win, you win games, you're entertaining, you'll keep your job. If not, this is not one of those 10-year jobs where you, you, know, you, you, you coach forever, and there's a lot of movement in college football. And I just hope, again, that there's patience for Timmy Chang because people seem to forget that 19 really good football players transferred from this university only two years ago. Now, I think they need to win four or five games this year to kind of keep the momentum going, and I, and I think they, they could possibly do that. But have some patience with this staff because Timmy Chang, to me, is one of our last hopes in terms of a local boy running this program, and uh, an influx of cash is needed. Rich, thanks so much for your time today. I'll see you soon. Thanks, Bobby. Always a pleasure talking to you. Rich Miano from Spectrum Sports. We're pretty close to the end of business right now. Stay tuned. Sports Animals up next. I'm sure they'll have some thoughts on UH football as well as many other topics. And I'll leave Gary Dickman, who just walked in. I want to tell him, here's my thing today. Brock Purdy's a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Full stop. Anyway, we are out of Time, thanks to Tanner Hayworth, and from all of us at ESPN Honolulu, I'm Bobby Curran. Aloha.